0: this practice of developing samadhi, of bringing our minds to a state of peace is something that is of great importance because the peaceful mind will grow into a wise heart. Wisdom we can define as an all-around knowing of all things that are conditioned, of all sankhāras. So whether it's um, rūpa, these physical forms, whether it's feeling, vedana, feelings, pleasant feelings, unpleasant feelings, or neutral feelings, or it could be memory, uh, sanya, or sankhāra, the mind that proliferates, and also Sankara's, uh, just any form of physicality or mentality. Anything that inspires the mind to go and create, to create good karma or a bad karma. And Vinyana is uh, the feelings that we experience um, when a form comes in through the eye. Or when a sound comes in through the ear, or when we experience a taste or a smell or touch, or there's a thought or emotion that comes in at the mind. This is this knowing of that is vijnana. So it's just natural that these five khandhas um, are this way. But if our minds aren't endowed with samadhi, if they're not well-grounded and stable, then we won't be able to separate these minds out from what they experience, from the mental objects. So whenever we experience anything, whenever there's a form that comes in through the eye, or there's a sound that comes in through the ear, um, all the way up to any emotions or thoughts that we experience in the mind this is what we call pasa or uh, contact and this gives rise to vedana feeling and if we don't have much knowledge in our minds then uh, we'll start to go and um, cling onto that and crave this then gives rise to becoming and birth which all leads on to various forms of difficulty and stress and suffering. So this practice that we are engaging in is to cultivate our minds so that they are endowed with wisdom, enough for us to be able to abandon this clinging and attachment. Because we all know that at least from what we've heard through the teachings, that this attachment is what causes us to suffer. So all practitioners want to gain wisdom and to gain knowledge um, and to be able to have speedy mindfulness that is aware of what's going on as it happens, that knows whenever there is clinging upadana that has come into the mind because these things they happen very quickly the, the different sense experiences that we gain the various things that we hear and see, the forms and the, the sounds and uh, the touches and all of the emotions and thoughts they happen in a very rapid uh, procession And so the Vedana that comes up also comes up very quickly. These pleasant feelings, unpleasant feelings, and neutral feelings. And before we even know it, we've already gone and attached. And so if our minds aren't peaceful, then they'll very readily go and cling on to things, thus giving rise to becoming and birth and then on to suffering. And we've already created a self out of this whole process. So it's important that we need to come and train our minds and bring them together into a state of calm and peacefulness. Because when they're in this state then it's like they have a barrier there protecting them from all the various sense impressions that they may experience. In this day and age, uh, we, things are changing quite quickly, and uh, we have to keep up with the times. And so it's normal for people these days to be wearing uh, face masks or even face shields. The purpose of this is to stop viruses from coming into our bodies, and they're very good at doing that. Before, we may not have been aware of this, that how easy it is for um, various viruses and bacteria to spread about, that if two people talk with each other and there's just a distance of one meter between them, then it's uh, very common for there to be some saliva or spittle that um, that, uh, goes out and contacts the other person. And so viruses can uh, also spread about through this means. So before we may not have been aware of that, but uh, in this current age we are. And so everyone is wearing masks or face masks in order to protect our bodies, to stop viruses and pathogens from coming in. So if we look at this in terms of our uh, practice and use this as an analogy for uh, the cultivation of Dhamma, you can see that wearing a face mask, is like um, developing samadhi and getting our mind into a calm and collected state. And this is able to prevent these sense objects from reaching our hearts. The greed, hatred and delusion which may be lying there, it won't be able to uh, enter into our minds because our samadhi is acting as a shield against them. If before we hadn't been able to reach any level of calm and peace within our hearts, then we just won't have known the benefits that it gives us. And it's only when we experience that for ourselves, when we're able to gather our minds um, and settle them into calm and peace, that we'll know uh, what that can give us and what benefit that has for us. We'll see that the sense objects um, won't be able to pierce into our hearts, and we'll know how good that feels. We'll be able to separate the mind out from its objects. So this samadhi, the training of our minds to calm down and to be collected and stable has great benefits. And one of these is that it's necessary for the development of wisdom. So when our minds have already gone and clung, when we've experience something and greed, hatred, delusion comes up and we cling to that, then we need to use wisdom, panya, to fix the situation. And each person needs to come up with their own methods and skillful means to deal with that because we all have different personalities and characters. So we need to be inventive to come up with uh, different ways to solve this problem. So one thing that comes up uh, regularly is anger, and sometimes our meditation practice isn't able to to deal with that. So we can do external things to help relieve that anger, and maybe we can go out into nature, and go and look at some, some very beautiful scenery, go to a, a spot that has very lush trees and mountains and rivers. And this can uh, calm our minds down and make them feel settled and contented. If we live in a city and there isn't much in terms of uh, natural uh, surrounds, then we can go and do something that we like. So maybe we can go out shopping, we can listen to some music, or we can recollect uh, whatever it is to make our minds feel at ease. If we can use this recollection, it's useful because we don't have to actually go somewhere and travel somewhere. All we need to do is just think of a place that we've been in the past that we really liked and that makes us feel very happy and settled. So maybe we've been to a beautiful river or Um, we can recollect having looked up at the sky or uh, being surrounded by mountain ranges. Whatever places that we've been that are conducive to feelings of peace and happiness, we can use that as the focus of our mind. and We can kind of send our minds to those places. We can also try to think, or, or another method that we could try to use is I'm thinking about all the people in the world who are going through a really hard time right now that they have to try and carry on their lives through this um very difficult situation, and they're just living day by day, sometimes the food isn't enough, and sometimes or some people aren't earning enough money to be able to support their families. So recollecting this may allow the kalasas, the defilements in our hearts, to weaken and lessen. And we can look at the world to see how things are changing and how there's a new normal in the world now. And things are much difficult than they were before. It can be very hard for people to find the requisites to just keep themselves alive. Perceiving the world in this light can help to relieve the greed, hatred, and delusion in our hearts through this very act of giving rise to metta, because it's very natural that when we see people who are in a difficult state and worse off than us, then we want to help them out. But if we do that, if we look at people who are going through ardour and strife, and our minds Um, become very despondent and uh, we go through despair, then that's not correct. We're not contemplating in the right way. What we should do is recollect that we have a wish to help them out. And that simple wanting to be of benefit and to help relieve people's sufferings is um, merit coming up in our hearts. And this merit can help to relieve any difficult emotions we may be experiencing. So we use whatever method works. And we need to be aware of what it is that that has a good effect for us. That is able to extract these defilements from our hearts or at least to be able to relieve them. Whatever it is that leads our minds into emptiness an emptiness from these particular things that they're experiencing so when our minds are firmly established in a state of samadhi in whatever moods we're experiencing we'll be able to solve them without much difficulty and this is because the mind can gather up wisdom quite quickly in that state. This wisdom then in turn gives rise to even stronger states of samadhi. So we should contemplate a lot and use this faculty of wisdom very frequently. Whenever it is that our mind has gone and attached to anything, we use our wisdom to uh, extract that emotion and bring our minds to peace and calm to bring our hearts to a state of emptiness and this emptiness we can call it a it's like nibbana and we can experience this nibbana a a little bit at a time you say nibbana is the mind that has gone into emptiness and it's freed from orky laces or defilements so for us, we contemplate and um, we can use this recollection of Nibbāna and of emptiness as a meditation object. And it's a very suitable object for those who have a strong wisdom faculty or whose uh, personality tends towards bānyā. This recollection of emptiness will lead our minds into very spacious and pure states. And we'll also notice that whenever feelings come up and our minds get involved in those, then we'll lose that spaciousness and the mind will become cluttered again. They'll turn chaotic. And we'll see that this is the root of suffering. When our minds are like this, they're all scattered and all over the place, then we can contemplate into death and see that our lives are not certain, but death is certain. So why would we want to go and be greedy about things? Why would we want to go and hate things? And why would we want to get deluded and confused about things? We contemplate in this manner in order to be able to dispel All of the defilements that are there. And so we use this as a meditation object as well, if it's helpful for us. We can also um, use metta and karuna as kindness and compassion to help to solve uh, the inner difficulties we may be experiencing. So we can look at the world and see how difficult people's lives are these days. So why would we want to be greedy you know, when people are so much worse off than we are? Why would we want to um, go and desire to have so many things? Isn't it better for us to try to help other people instead than just want to hoard things for ourselves? So bringing up metta and karuna, kindness and compassion, um, it can help us in this way. And we can also act upon those as well. We don't just recollect it, but we can go and help out too, go and give assistance to our society and those people around us who are going through difficulties. And this will be a source of uh, bunya and kusala, of merit and skillfulness. So we can try and keep this emptiness as the object of our hearts and contemplate and focus upon this emptiness. The Buddha once asked the five ascetics, form, rupa, uh, feelings, memory, perception, thoughts, and uh, sense consciousness, are you able to control them? Can you order them about? And things that you're not able to control, is it appropriate to consider those as me and mine? So he was teaching anatta, not self, right here. The five ascetics were able to accept this and they could separate out the mind from its objects. And this allowed them to see clearly, see clearly that all form and memory, or feeling and memory and thought, Emotions and sense consciousness, it's all not-self. There's no true self in any of it. And this freed them from the things that had bound their hearts for a long time. And they became, became arahants at that point. But for us, for people who are on a more mundane level of the practice, well, how can we touch this emptiness? We do it just a little at a time. And all we have to do is contemplate in a, in a way that allows our minds to let go. It's not that we experience this letting go um, just suddenly and everything is uh, suddenly empty. But what we do is we let go of things a little bit at a time. One issue at a time. We teach our minds and instruct them, guide them, telling them that it's not sure, it won't last, it's not sure, it'll change. And this will, and we'll be able to see that it's not appropriate for us to go and attach to things, that it's not permanent, it doesn't last. We'll then be able to let go. We'll see that Letting go is more important than anything that we might attach to. And this is what Venerable Ajahn Chah taught, that letting go is more important. If we see external things as having importance and um, being something that's really worthy of um, of our attention, then this will be a source of suffering for us. So, nowadays, there's a lot of rules and regulations that have been established. But if we go and attach to those, then that will be a source of suffering. So we also need to to kind of, to keep those rules, but to let go at the same time. There'll be attachments to a sense of self, of me and mine. It's also very common these days for people to give a lot of importance to our our bodies and our looks, our appearances. And a lot of that comes down to just skin color, whether we have white skin or black skin, brown skin, yellow skin. We attach to that and give a lot of importance to that. If someone has a different color to us, then we say that they're not part of our group. They're different from us. Conceit then very easily arises, and so does conflict as well. So we go and cling on to these physical forms, as me and mine, and say that this body has this colored skin, and their color is different from us. There's attachments and clinging there and craving as well, which all leads to a sense of self, and the mind isn't empty at that point. It's then very easy for us to go and cause pain and inflict harm upon others through our body, speech or mind. When this happens, then the world becomes a very chaotic and disturbed place, a violent place. So as the Buddha said, this quality of metta, of loving kindness, is that which props up, supports and takes care of this world. So we should practice to see that all things, whether they're external things, whether they're internal things, whether it's um, our external or internal body, so the external body being the skin and the hair and the nails, the teeth, and the internal body being all the various organs and um, bones and fluids inside, that there's no real difference between this form, this body, and anyone else's body. We see that when there's no air Left, or when the breathing process stops, then all of the elements that have been gathered together will start to disperse and disband. What's left is just a heap of bones um, with some blood and other things there. But there's no difference between that and anyone else's body. It's just the four elements, just the same. It's just earth, water, fire and air. There's no difference. So when our minds are endowed with wisdom, we'll be able to see that the body is merely that. It's just a body. But having gained a human body, we also need to develop a mind that's human as well. And if we don't have that, if there's just this um, physicality of um, a human form, but there's no humanity in our hearts, then this will cause a lot of conflict and confusion in the world. But if we see that bodies are merely bodies, there's no true self, there's no me or mine in that, then we'll be able to touch into emptiness. And this very act of reaching emptiness, is um, vipassana, is clear seeing. So we use our wisdom there to contemplate these bodies as being empty. We use a well-grounded mind, a mind that's reached very deep levels of samadhi to contemplate into feelings and into physicality. And this is a way that we'll be able to see into the Dhamma through using a very stable mind to uh, investigate the four foundations of mindfulness. So the Rupa, these forms, and Vedana, feelings, the mind, and Dhamma. And if we have enough peace, we'll be able to do that. But where do we start? How do we get Um, our footing first or this very practice that we're engaging in of having mindfulness knowing the breath as it comes and leaves knowing what the body's doing right now whatever posture it may be in we're aware of that we keep practicing and developing this until we're able to calm our minds down until we're able to really stay with the breath as it comes and goes We'll be able then to see into the arising, lasting and ceasing of phenomena, which will give rise to true insight in our hearts. We'll contemplate the body and perceive it as being empty, empty of any self. And in doing this, we will see into the Dhamma. We'll see this quality of not self, which will allow our minds to touch into emptiness. And this happens little by little. Whatever sense impressions arise, whatever our minds experience, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, we tell ourselves it's not sure, it's not sure, it'll change. Until our minds are able to accept this, to see that there's no true self there, which brings our minds into Peace and emptiness, empty from all of the objects that they had experienced. So, this is wisdom which cultivates and guides the mind, that forms the path that will lead us out of suffering. All of us have great fortune to have gained this opportunity to meet with the teachings of the Buddha. These um, practices and guidances that will take us to freedom and purity. And if we just walk this path, then we will be able to reach emptiness. And in the empty heart, we will know and experience the Buddha. So always be contemplating and develop a samadhi that is um, pervasive, that's always there in the mind and the heart, and a mindfulness that is up to speed, that knows all of the aramana, these uh, sense objects, as they occur. We should always be instructing our hearts to not attached to anything that they experience, and as we carry on doing this, we develop this continually, then we'll be able to let go little by little. Our minds will become more grounded in samadhi. And the more that we develop samadhi, the more we'll be able to let go of things. The practice develops in stages like this. So I ask for all of you to just carry on with it. From today onwards, keep on practicing and don't stop. Carry on going and you will see the Dhamma. Just as Venerable Ajahn Chah taught, that there is water in the ground and all it takes is for us to dig down and we will reach it. Whether we use some hand tools or whether we use machinery, whatever method we use, If we dig down far enough, we'll have to meet with the water. And that's really how it is. So everyone be sincere in this path of practice.